Off the ball. The second biggest cheer was Ronaldo warmed up. The biggest cheer was Ronaldo came on the pitch. There is still this fixation of Ronaldo is coming onto the pitch and he buys Subscribe into now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five this evening. This is Football Saturday all the way until five. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. We're streaming the conversation as well. So you can listen across the country on News Talk. Hope you're wrapping up well. You can also watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTV Sports app for iOS and Android. We're joined on the line from Qatar by the Irish Independent Football Correspondent, Dan McDonnell. We're also chatting to the former Republic of Ireland international David Connolly and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. Johnny's in studio with me. Johnny, it's all about the World Cup on this football Saturday. Morocco-Portugal's just kicked off. Morocco-Portugal, yeah, bidding to be that first African team to get yeah. to the um, semi-finals, which would be an amazing achievement and a team that have, uh, I think they've been very much one of the components of what's been good about this tournament, JD, the, the atmosphere at their games, just watching them from... Um, from afar has been amazing. They have a huge support over there. Seem to have a big Arab support over there, even if you're not from Morocco. And um, you know they've ridden their luck a little bit, but they're incredibly strong defensively. Today will be uh, today will be very very tough. I think Portugal are really coming to hand, but the World Cup came absolutely alive yesterday. I know it's it's a massive contrast. Our sub zero temperatures watching it over here to what Dan is enjoying. But for me, even watching it all those miles away, it came alive yesterday. We'll uh, get to that in a moment. Jeff Felix is just forced to say from the Moroccan goalkeeper as Jawad El Yamik and Yahya Atiat Ala are into the Moroccan side. Aguer, the West Ham player, is out as is Mazraoui. They're both injured. So two and four changes for Morocco. One change for Portugal, which is more of a tactical change. Ruben Neves evolves us into the centre in place of William Carvalho. Dan, are you going to England, France later? I am John. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Al Bayt Stadium at the moment here. So this is where the game is on tonight. Yeah, 10 p.m. local time. Dan, um, seven Irish. You were at the Netherlands, Argentina, and uh, very sad news that uh, Grant Wall, the respected uh, United States journalist for many years, Sports Illustrated and Fox uh, Soccer, uh, passed away at the stadium last night. Just terrible. Yeah, um, it was it was awful, John. I mean, there's 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 no way of. Uh, avoiding that in, in in the telling of the story of the night um just personally like it was it was it happened reasonably close to where i was in the stadium it was a couple of couple of rows away and um yeah like all through what the the, the last 10 minutes of extra time and penalties there was something pretty awful going on around us um well naturally enough everyone else in the stadium and, and other sections of the press area wouldn't have known what was happening um and what was happening was you know the, the worst news you could you could possibly imagine um so it's it's there's no doubt i mean without sort of getting into that media bubble vibe you know th- there is a sense that it's it's what everyone around here is, is naturally talking about today because it's it's just something that's particularly sh- shocking you know I, I know a couple of pieces have been written about it now and people have s- spoken about it and it was a sort of a pretty distressing scene, but I'm saying I don't want to talk about it too much either, you know, because it's sort of um, obviously very personal and, and someone going through someone um, something 
horrific. You know, like I'd, I'd walked into the stadium next to him yesterday at the, yeah. you know, the, the security, um, and you know everyone here is just, you know, going about their business, doing their work. You know, um, and something like that happening to someone. Uh, what 48 49 years of age so incredibly well known you know a, a huge figure in the in the journalism field not someone i would have to say i would have known him personally just one of these people you know to see because of um how well known that they are and um yeah like i mean it was it was pretty difficult there for, for you know a really tough time for his sort of close colleagues and particularly people who were sitting around them as well um uh, those sitting very close to him at the time because you could just sense the the distress building that something something absolutely awful was happening. Yeah, shocking and surreal and our thoughts are with his family, his friends and his fans uh, around the world. He was a very well-respected writer. He'd covered a lot of World Cups, Dan, and, um, you know, he's one of the, the top writers in the Amer- United States on, on football. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if, sorry if the odd announcement comes over me here, John, but you know what it can be like in the, the yes. media centres here. But, um yeah, no, exactly. I mean, someone who, uh, I mean, he sort of woke up this morning, like he got back reasonably late last night and uh, obviously knew that this had, this had happened and it was going to be a sort of a, a significant story. We see you wake up and you see like LeBron James is talking about it yeah. um, after his match because he filed a cover story on uh, LeBron James as the superstar teenager. I think it was a Sports Illustrated cover in 2002. Um, and you're right, yeah, like I suppose in a, um, the, the 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 football industry or the soccer industry, as they might call it, uh, you know, burgeoning in the states, and he probably would have been to the fore of that, both in men's football and in women's football. Um, and you can just see from the the outpouring from very like uh, you know very very well known figures, you know, within that sphere, you know, athletes, and not just a sort of a colleagues or something it was like really athletes and people people feel genuinely very affected and 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 shocked by this which of course they would i mean because he was he was literally providing updates during the match you know at the at the at the end of 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 normal time so it's it's sort of it's it's i think it was very hard for people to get their head around the news that was traveling and reaching them even uh, you speaking about it it's it's really hard to fathom uh and to get your head around um you know, a man could pass pass away uh, so soon, but um, yeah, our, our thoughts are with Grant Wells' uh, family and friends. Lovely message from <coughs> OTBAM's Kathleen McNamee as well, who she was just pointing out yes. on Twitter this morning that um, she was doing the odd article for on women's football on ESPN, and she never met him, and he just sent her lovely messages of encouragement. Um, I think when I when I was starting off as a journalist. Um, can be sort of an intimidating sphere you go into and for somebody who's never met you who has nothing to gain from doing that I think it's a measure of somebody who obviously had great qualities about him Yeah the football always uh, is put into perspective by sad events like this um, David Connolly you know you've been watching this uh, tournament obviously uh, as much as everybody else has uh, it was uh, a day really yesterday that had everything didn't it? Yeah, my condolences, obviously, to, yeah. to Grant's family on that. And there's been a lot of those uh, sad instances in, you know, uh, in a lot of uh, Premier League games and, and games that I've been working on, you know, with medical emergencies in the crowd. There was one at Watford, actually, only, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, probably now. So, um, but yeah, the, the, the football yesterday was was dramatic, right? Um, on the pitch, two, two really good games um, and... Uh, 
probably the Argentinian one, you'd say went went as everyone thought it would, but but I didn't. I don't think too many saw Croatia sort of coming out on top against Brazil. But they're both both really dramatic, and uh, especially the Holland game. I mean, uh, wow, what a finish there in extra time! Quite amazing. And obviously the scenes after, you know, it just rumbles on. This is probably going to rumble on a little bit, certainly with the referee and. You know things like that, so um, I'm sure Emi Martinez will get to that. But you know he might face a few consequences for his what he said afterwards. But nonetheless, I mean two great games. Dan, what's Qatar been like the last few weeks for you? Um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's there's, there's obviously two strands to this tournament. Like there's the there's the football experience of it, um, which has has been very good. You know, in the sense of. Um, you know the the facility to attend a large volume of games. You know how things have generally worked. You know I I, I think um, you know you would meet Irish fans out here, a couple of whom would have travelled and they were able to do a, a large volume of games. You know in a very short space of time, something that will probably never happen in a in a World Cup again. And so you know for, for in, in some ways you know people have had a have a have had a splendid time, you know, um, uh, doing that. I mean, the other side of Qatar is, is I mean, the, the fact that it's a it's a one it's a one city World Cup effectively, you know, it's all part of the concerns and the controversy around the fact that Qatar was able to win the hosting. Um, it's obviously been very well documented uh, the concerns that people would have. And the the sense of disgust that people would have about uh, conditions that would exist here for, uh, you know, for migrant workers, for in terms of um, the treatment of the LGBTQ community, and the sort of stories that have emerged around that, even during the competition itself, and around the competition itself. So it, it leaves everyone here, I think, feeling um, with very mixed feelings, really, um, because. Um, we all know that those of us here, you know, have a little uh, lanyard around your shoulder here. You know, it gives you a sort of a, a very privileged existence here. Um, but we also know that we're visiting Qatar at a time that is not reflective of what it's normally like here. Like you can walk around the streets and um, around where I'm staying. And I've sort of written about this in the, in the paper, you know, that there would be, uh, you know, a lot of sort of abandoned building sites and uh uh, a lot of construction has stopped for the work. A lot of normal life here has stopped for the month because um, the feeling would be, okay, they might say it's because of congestion or whatever, but maybe the feeling would be they don't want people to necessarily see the normal working conditions that might exist in some ways. And you would chat to people here and, and chat to probably some uh, some of the workforce here, the lower paid workers here who, who can tell you pretty bad um, stories. Not everyone, you know, of course not everyone. And there are people and there are expats here who who would, would feel that this is obviously a place that's given them opportunities as well. But it's very hard to get away from that underbelly. And I think I think that's why, like, even in any comment about the competition, like, you're always very conscious of um, stressing that you're really enjoy, you know, enjoying the football and, and, you know, the footballers didn't decide that the tournament came here and, for a lot of these footballers, it might be the only World Cup they play in their lives, and I've I've never subscribed to the view that they should be put under too much pressure, um, to to take some kind of stand. It's, it wouldn't have been their choice. I doubt if there was if they were given a choice that they would have voted for it to come here, um, but um, I would say look, it's an interesting place to visit, but I would also say that 
I also know that I'm I'm getting a very uh, privileged and, and sort of sanitized viewpoint of it in the places that I'm going and the places that I'm seeing. So um, the extent to which that makes me any kind of authority on speaking about Qatar at all, uh, that could definitely be debated. Just in terms of the vibe around FIFA and uh, the countries that are are there, um, like because once again, this is whatever messy aside, this is going to be a tournament dominated by European teams, uh, and European nation is very much you know possible that a European nation will win this again. Um, but from the political landscape, is it is it kind of sense that it's going towards Saudi twenty thirty? Like Infantino's been on the on the TV all the time over here. Um, is there much talk about FIFA, about the hosting of it, or is it just much we're, we're getting into the football now, as it were? Uh, no, a bit, bit of everything, John. I think that's a bit of everything. Um, it's possible to do both as well, you know. Like, there's obviously days where you get completely lost in the football, but naturally, like, around it, uh, these discussions are happening. In terms of the Saudi 2030 thing, my personal feeling, and it's just personal feeling, I'm not so sure that everyone in FIFA would want the hassle of that again. You know, and with the questions that that would bring, it would be quite a brazen move to to go that route uh, within two tournaments. Now, I wouldn't rule out anything with FIFA either, but I'm just not so sure if when push comes to shove, that will happen. But I'm here to be corrected. I think, uh, obviously, in the region, you have maybe Doha looking at the 2036 Olympics, for example. That's something that you, you feel that there might be a push towards that. In terms of football... Um, I'm I'm just not so sure. I mean, I know that how Infantino and, and various FIFA presidents, I mean, their power base is built around uh, the other confederations, right? A lot of it would be, well, this is the typical sort of, you know, Northern European or Western moaning. And it's true that, like, I mean, a lot of the issues we talk about here, say, or we're alluding to here, um, they're not live talking points amongst uh, the South American teams. South American fans, um, African teams, African fans, you know, and I mean, you mentioned Morocco here, for example, like a, a story that has captured the imagination and it has actually stirred a little bit of sort of Arab identity around their um, their tilt and, and their efforts. But um, I mean, the very striking aspect is that very few European fans have traveled. I mean, this, this is another yeah. thing you have to be very conscious of as well. That, And you probably got a bit of an insight to this probably in Russia in 2018, uh, JD, it wouldn't be massively dissimilar in terms of the okay. the breakdown of fans. Um, yeah, as many as South Americans is, then, yeah. Yeah, and it's very very similar here, but with the Moroccan, Arab Tunisia, the Saudi yeah. Saudi fans as well. Like they do have a fan culture in in Saudi, and there's a lot of their, their fans around. But European fans, I mean, the Dutch fans had no footprint at all. Germany, um, Spain. I know France traditionally don't travel that much anyway. Um, England probably more so than any other European nation and even then um, very small if you somehow ended up in an Argentina v England situation uh, you you would be doing well to hear the England fans uh, What about the heat Dan has it been an issue? Um, well I mean the thing is I mean I know Johnny would obviously um, be, be quite uh, attuned to these issues like you know they, they talk about it being uh, a carbon neutral World Cup but I mean the air conditioning is on all of the time, everywhere, including some of the stadiums. Um, there would have been local time here when you had those four games a day. It would have been one o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock, ten o'clock. And some of the, the one o'clock games, uh, Iran, Wales, I would have been at. Um, you sense there might have been a little bit of an issue 
Um, I think it's actually got a little bit cooler here in the last week generally. Today was the first day it wasn't really sunny at all. Um, and the temperatures have dropped. But but even when the temperatures were quite high uh, within the stadium, um, you wouldn't quite feel that way. It could be quite cool, quite chilly at night. And like that's why you know, it's been talked about. I think a lot of even teams, never mind people in you know around the grounds and stuff have sort of suffered from colds and and coughs and stuff because you're just in a almost a, a constant home of air conditioning um everywhere you go so to, it's a slightly long-winded answer um but but it's it's the heat really hasn't been that much of a talking point at all uh particularly now the games are 6 p.m and and, and 10 p.m uh local time so yeah this this france england game is like 10 p.m at night when it starts so naturally it's 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 way cooler anyway. Johnny, you're watching Morocco Portugal goalless here, 19 minutes in the watch. Portugal with most of the ball, as you'd have expected, Johnny. Yeah, most most of the ball, but um, you know they uh, they've not really created much. Very good early chance, and Morocco have looked relatively dangerous. Um, they Morocco totally parked the bus against Spain. It doesn't look quite like that here, JD. It looks like they're a little bit um, more open to play, and um, it was, it's an interesting comparison to see the. I want to talk about this today. The I think the Spanish had 75% possession and one shot on target. In I, the, uh, well, I can tell you, I think it was 77%. Yeah, and one shot on target. Um, and it just shows there are more, more than one, there's more than one way to skin a cat in the sense of... It was actually terrible to watch. But it's exactly what happened four years ago in yeah, Russia. And uh, it was just pass, pass, pass. pass. Like you're getting in the car and you're driving around the roundabout all day. Yeah. That's the, 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 yeah. the metaphor I use for it, whatever the phrase is. And literally going Imagine nowhere. going into your car and driving around the roundabout all day. And then... That's um, exactly what happened. That's what Spain are doing. Thinking of speed speed three here um, from... Um, <laughs> Um, from Father Ted but when you compare that then to the absolute old school style of how the Netherlands got back into the game it's like don't be afraid to change things up the big man up top but like this guy who's basically on loan in in Turkey from Burnley who I'd first seen Veghorst um, scoring against Dundalk in in the uh, Europa League in 2016 um, and who uh, I remember I used to make the, the 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 joke with Kieran Kilduff that he muscled this fell out of the way and Kieran Kilduff would say look at how, look at the way our careers have gone different diverged, ways like yes. diverged but like you know he didn't expect him to when you think about it Vekors was absolutely um, in tears after the game but like from a personal perspective he'd one of the greatest World Cup performances of all time he won the free kick and scored both goals in, in, a, in a cameo of what was it like 10 minutes added on so maybe 25 minutes half an hour and uh, they couldn't deal with him and the beauty of trying a, a free kick like that was effectively the last kick of the game and to almost a mimic like um uh, a head down messy pass um, Koopmans was it who came off the bench as well and to score that goal and then for Argentina to actually win it would suggest that their name is on the cup but that, that game had literally everything apart from as Dan would say there it didn't have many Dutch fans that's one thing I've really noticed like the lack of European noise at, mm-hmm. at, at it and it's it's almost like we've Europeans have taken a kind of a, a view a view on it kind of and maybe some of it is media driven but I think a lot of it is moral as well David Connolly uh, that free kick I, I couldn't believe when I saw it it was just what the hell's going on here that was something else yeah it was and um, he has done that before I don't know if you've seen it yeah. but a couple of years ago he always did the carbon copy I think for um, for Wolfsburg against Bielefeld and it worked I was working it, I sort of cast my mind back to other times where there have been games that I've been at and someone has done something like that and uh, a couple of years ago when Bournemouth got promoted they were playing Nottingham Forest right and it was the 83rd minute, had a free kick edge of the box like that. Everyone thought they were going to go for goal. Instead, they passed it across the box to uh, Kiefer Moore, completely unmarked, completely fooled everyone. 
and he scored a great goal. They they won the game, they got promoted, and it was a moment of genius, a bit of work on the training ground, you know? You say um, key for more there, David, as well. Like it, this, yeah. it, It's almost like a, an American football comparison here in the sense that like um, if you're fourth and short, like you're not going to throw the ball, you're going to run it. Why would you play a little intricate pass to effectively the biggest lad on the pitch? And well, like, you yeah. know, he's like yeah. seven foot ten or something. Like, well, they're definitely not going to give him a little driver. So there were to, to try, and as well as that, David, like the, the, the Argentinians had lost the plot at this stage. The foul on yeah. the foul on, on him in the first place in big course was so ridiculous. I mean, it was a ten minute well, of injury time, ha- hacking the yeah. ball against the dugout. It just had everything. Exactly, but th- th- it comes back to say, Emmy Martinez after the game. You know, and I know he's emotional and sometimes I, I, I quite like it. it's not sanitized, the interview, you know, but nonetheless, complaining about 10 minutes stoppage time or the free kicks. I mean, I, there were, you know, the free kicks that were given on the edge of the box were the right decisions. They were fouls, you know, and and what you would say is if you're going to play two big men, he, he got it right, Van Gaal, in terms of bringing Berghaus on. What I would say is Berghaus, he had the, yeah, I was just watching it a bit frustrated because it looked like he had the wrong footwear on. He kept slipping. Um, but, you know, he didn't also put enough balls in the box. And when it got to that late stage, they got back in it. But arguably, you know, I think, I think, I think they could have actually served the two big men a bit more often. And I thought when Van Dijk went up top, right, he went up top and then he sort of dropped back. I don't know if you remember. And you're thinking, well, you know what, you might as well just stay up there because, you know, it's a threat. And, and there are different ways to win. You mentioned Spain and, you know, death by a thousand passes and all that. You know, it is a bit of a throwback, but look, Barcelona signed Luke de Jong, you know. So you kind of have to give these guys a bit of respect because Vecor showed the touch there like a Noel Quinn in the box, you know. Because Noel Quinn, like in terms of big men that I played with, was prob- had probably the best touch of, of not just big men, but of most players I played with, to be honest, you know. So, um, it, like, sometimes you... you you know, just because they're a big man, you do sling it in the box. But also, you know, you don't get to play for Luke de Jong to play for the likes of Barcelona or Vecos. You know, they, they, they're really good players, you know. So um, the, the, the free kick was, was outstanding, make no mistake. It was it was a moment of absolute brilliance. I mean, I jumped, I jumped, I was watching it. I jumped up in my living room and, you know, I, I just thought it was amazing. I thought it was just brilliant. See, because you don't see it that often, right? At, at, in such important moments. I saw it at Bournemouth a couple of years ago, something completely, you know, that completely deceived and fooled everyone. Uh, to do it on that biggest stage was brilliant. Is you know, obviously it didn't work out for them in the end, but nonetheless, great game. So Dan, it's uh, still on for Lionel Messi. He goes to the quarterfinal on Tuesday. The semi-final, yeah. Sorry, um, semi-final. Like he, yeah, no, it's, 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 it is. I mean, it's, it's, like the the soundtrack to the competition in many respects is like uh, you know Argentines on the metro just singing about Messi <laughs> or whatever else is on the playlist you know and I think for the people organising the competition the thought of them going out would have been a disaster you know in terms of the you know a Holland Croatia semi final for them would have been very grey you know very bleak whereas now sort of making this point in, in the paper, you know, it's, it's almost a sense of, and you felt that eight years ago in Brazil, it felt like it was destiny for Messi. You know, you Brazil knocked out the 7-1, Argentina beat the Dutch the next night on penalties, and it's like, this is their chance. This is their, this is, it's finally going to happen for them. And while there's, it's dangerous to underestimate Croatia, 
uh, again as I would have before the game yesterday. And I'd seen their four previous games, and I still didn't quite believe that they'd match Brazil over 120. Um, you now have the situation where you'd fancy, you would fancy Argentina, and you have this idea of Messi being in a World Cup final again on on Sunday week. Like he he will get to that game again and get to sort of banish the demons of 2014. And um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack from how Argentina performed last night. I mean, do you focus on the the sort of the 100 or so good minutes or the, or the 20 the 20 bad ones? Um, but from where they started this competition, uh, they're they're still in a reasonable place. I, provided, like, I mean, there's such emotion and energy around their games that you must think it's exhausting for them in some ways. The the responsibility they're carrying. But I mean, if they get through Tuesday, they've got what five days to to just really soak it up and and think this this could be the time. It seems to me they have an issue with direct play like the Saudis, Australia, towards the end of that game, and then obviously last night as well. It makes them almost seem a bit smaller. Yeah, uh, yeah. But then, they can, then they're able to get back into the groove and start passing the ball around again. So I, it's, it's, I, it, it, is a bit, it is a bit chaotic at times. I think, I mean, when you see, you know, the bench basically crying when they score against Mexico in the second game, and you're like, you know, this is mad. Like, I mean, control yourselves here. This is second in the tournament. That game turned out to be massive for them, though, when you think about it. They were really struggling to break Mexico down. But it's Messi's genius. And it was Messi's like, genius. Like, like, there was one moment there. There was the moment against Australia where he put it literally in, like, exactly in, in the corner. And then last night, the assist for the first goal, he didn't even look and then scores the, the penalty. And then this is a big thing with Neymar. Messi steps up, takes the first penalty. You know, it's either the first yeah. or the fourth of the really important penalties in the shootout. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, what, what happened with Neymar? I don't know. He can't. I mean, uh, is Tite saying we want to have him taking the last penalty because it's the most important? I mean, I don't. It's not think, the most important. I, it's not the most important. It's the most important if you, if it's four all. Yeah, or no, but, but how, I think how I, often how often is it four all? I don't think he would assure responsibility. You've seen him play, and I think he's he's been he's had a lot of harsh criticism. Neymar, even in ninety minutes, as much as he was on the periphery, he was still doing things. He looked like he was going to make things happen. Got an amazing goal. I, I have some sympathy for him. He's thirty now, I think. Yeah. Um, and for Messi, who you know, if you go back to the media commentary, sort of probably after the maybe even before the Mexico game, after the Mexico game, where it's like, he can't do this anymore, he can't do that anymore. Like, that pass was utterly insane, that first pass for the first goal yesterday. And I think everyone now really is is beyond um, wondering what that neutral team is, because you are willing Messi to do this. You're not willing England to do it now? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you asked me before we came in, and uh, Dan's colleague, Adrian Fitzmaurice, I think he's, his headline's right, Southgate li- Southgate's lines are becoming more likeable, but we're not ready to love them. I, 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 wouldn't really, I don't really mind if England beat France or whatever. I, I'm slightly up for France, but they're not, a, they're not a hateable team. But for Messi to, when you think of, when you look at Argentina against Eddie, it brings you back to what football sort of meant maybe to you when you were a kid. And this argument, I've, I've heard this a bit, in recent times where international football is more pure than club football now because when Messi and Neymar go back to PSG who cares really like honestly Neymar is like playing but, the but, but, but you can't buy the World Cup you see you can't buy the World Cup and when you see the ridiculous passion of the Argentinian fans and of the Moroccan fans but the Argentinian fans who are so willing this to happen you do kind of get wrapped up in it and when you see the face of Maradona uh, among the crowd like and, and all the banners of Maradona you're like it it, it, it it does evoke these kind of nostalgic memories in you and when you see Messi defying age and what Modric is doing is, is beyond insane at his age um, it has 
has restored my love in the World Cup as we thought it might, even though you know we had so many issues with it from the outset. But it's almost like the sports washing wins, isn't it? So yeah, that's another thing. Five three one zero six. Garrett's been in touch. I'm really tired of the narrative that the best penalty taker should go first. It's factually wrong. Think of England's history of penalties with people like Shearer and Kane going first, and see how that's worked out for them. Probably not last. Uh, well, not last. Well, Neymar didn't get the chance, did he? Uh, I was also asking beforehand, like, if you support a Premier League player all the time, uh, is it you know should you not be with it, with, with it in England well? Uh, John and Kilkenny was in touch. You have it wrong. We support the club, who, yes, are an English club, but not the players as such. It's like this. If you're a Spurs supporter, you support Harry Kane. But if you transfer to Man United, would you support United because Kane is there? Noah's my guess. Good point. And also, the, so the logicism of Spurs fans support Kane every week, so should I support England? Therefore, Arsenal fans that supported Henri as an Arsenal legend should be okay with the handball in Paris. Question mark says Lauren Kilkenny. This Argentina Netherlands game, uh, David Connolly, this was a scrap. This was a fight. It was bitter. There was a lot of needle. There was uh, Dutch players apparently going up to um, kind of uh, trying to intimidate the Argentine players before the shootout, and then uh, the re- the, they kind of rubbed their noses in it. The Argentine players uh, when when yeah. the, when the penalty shootout was uh, was won, and then uh, Messi went up to Van Hal, had a word with them. Then Messi was I think having a go at Veghorst in the interview room, and uh, yeah. it was all uh, all pretty scrappy and bitter. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, obviously, you had the, the the incident with the bench booting the ball into the bench, which we saw something similar in the Tunisia game. Hannibal, who's at um, who's at Birmingham, he 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 threw a ball at uh, Mitchell Duke from Australia on the floor. So it's the second time the kind of you know the benches have been involved in something on the pitch. You know that sort of it, it doesn't. It's not becoming of a World Cup. You know where. You've got benches involved. So, I don't know. I, I thought that was a bit unsavoury, you know. Um, I guess you might say, you know, you might expect it in that sort of pressure situation, what's gone on, the penalties, you know, the the, the kind of uh, the psychology. Holland trying to put off Latoura Martinez. There was four lads, you know, trying to trying to get to Latoura as he's made that walk. Now, I've made that walk. It is a lonely walk. And, you know, you're sort of, trying to focus on taking your penalty. So I think for Holland, you look at those four lads that, that sort of crowded around him a little bit as he was going to take his pen to put him off. And you think, well, but I guess probably Holland will, in their defence will say, well, we had to contend with X, Y, Z. So um, look, I, I think let's just put all that to one side. The game um, and touching on Argentina, I mean, I saw him, earlier in the tournament and I thought at times they were really, really average. Um, but Scaloni's done some brilliant things with this team, which I think you have to do in tournament football because, you know, in tournament football and in tournament coaching is completely different to pre-game coaching and pre-game planning. So, you know, did won 30-odd games in a row, playing the same way, more or less the same players. He got into the World Cup and there were a few players who didn't play they lacked a little bit of pace, so he took out Lautaro Martinez. He brought in Alvarez, who's given him so much more dynamism. He took out Tagliafico, put in Acuna on the left side. He's been outstanding. Took out Romero. Um, he brought Romero back in, changed shape yesterday, went to a back three to deal with Holland's front two. Um, so as the tournament's progressed, Scaloni, I think, has really adapted really, really well uh, and shown that sort of, yeah, adaptability that, that you, you know, you're, you're going to, encounter things in spite of being in great form and you might have to change and imagine the scrutiny he's under you've got a stadium full of Argentinian fans the scrutiny he would have been on at home as soon as they would have got that team sheet and he's gone with a back three 
they would have been like, well, what's going on? Why has he done this? And look, they got away with it in the end. They got, they got through, um, you know, but I, I just thought, uh, I, I enjoy that part of the game. Why he's done what he's done. The players that maybe weren't performing, he's he's changed them. And ultimately, they've now reached a World Cup semi-final. And, um, you know, you know, credit to them because they had a couple of flaws in in their team and, and he's, he's ironed them out pretty quickly. Um, they do look a bit small when balls are lumped in the box, as you say, you know, uh, they, they looked a little bit vulnerable in the headers. There's been a lot of headers in this World Cup. I imagine when we come back from this, like there's always a, a debrief, you know, yeah. about how goals are scored. I imagine they'll come back and they'll say, oh, it's the return of, you mm. know, wide men. It's the return of crosses in the box. It's the return of headers because previously you think you'd have to, you know, cut through teams like Spain, you know, a thousand passes, little one-twos around the box. And don't get me wrong, we have seen that. But we have seen so many goals from crosses, so many. And and I think it's great because at times it's almost like in England, the back three killed the winger, you know, like it, it ends up a game of wingbacks. And and I remember, I think it was Cruyff said, if, if fullbacks were were that great at crossing, you know, they'd be wingers. Or it's something like that. You know, ultimately, a wingback is not a, a winger. And it, it's been nice in this in this sort of uh, tournament. And Holland got back in the game with, you know, one ball from Berghaus, a natural winger. And there's been, there's been a lot of goals from crosses, which has been... Uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be loads of takeaways from this tournament, yeah. right? But but a lot of it will be, you know, return of 4-3-3 and, you know, um, a lot of goals from headers and, and deliveries in the box rather than maybe your intricate play... You know, there's been counter-attack goals, don't get me wrong, but yeah. a lot from crosses. Got to take a break. David Connolly, Dan McDonald in Qatar and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday. Morocco, nil. Portugal, nil. A couple of chances there. Kind of, I'd say quarter chances for Morocco. Selim uh, Amala and Sofiane Bouffal. But Portugal not having it all their own way in this quarter-final. Uh, 36 minutes on the watch, as I said. Goal is between Morocco and Portugal. Leinster, what a statement. 42 points to 10. The B Rassi 92 earlier on today with six tries. Josh van der Feer with two. The captain of the day, Gary Ringrose, with one. Andrew Porter, Dan Sheehan, and Ed Byrne. The bonus point in the bag. Brilliant stuff from Leinster. Cheltenham off, by the way, today. Punchestown is off tomorrow. We're back after this. Morocco won. Portugal nil. Morocco have scored at the World Cup in the quarterfinals. Youssef N. Nezri has scored. Ronaldo looking crestfallen on the bench. Johnny Ward, this is unbelievable stuff. Yeah, Morocco have been well in the game and um, I think it's Bruno Fernandes misses a clearance. Very, very sloppy from Portugal and uh, it's, a, it's a cross in from the left, hung up in the air and the keeper just had a horror show. He's, he's come out to punch it but completely missed it and to be fair to Morocco, they've been well in the game. Well in the game and big, big challenge for Portugal. Morocco are not used to, uh, and Leslie with the goal, Morocco are not used to going ahead um, early on against these teams and uh, they, they held Spain and got to penalties but this is going to be fascinating. You, the way this World Cup is going, Ronaldo is going to be the hero today, JD. It's almost written in the stars. Another, another cross, another, another cross. header. Yeah, another header, right? Big so time. many, big time, so David Connolly, big time. Uh, I don't be watching this, David, but what have you made of it so far? Yeah, I mean, I've just seen it. Yeah, I mean, in the series, he's a good striker, right? At Sevilla, played Champions League. Um, you put the ball in the box, and he's a big, powerful boy. Um, you you've got to say that. I mean, the keepers come for it, come an awful long way. Hasn't got there, um, and and I think I think he knows, doesn't he? Diego Costa, that that was a bad mistake. Um, now they got the goal. I mean, they've only conceded one, haven't they? And that was an OG 
so far, Morocco. So, tough, yeah, tough to overturn for Portugal. Dan, what's the reaction like in the stadium there in Qatar? Yeah, no, there's a few cheers, all right, when that happened, um, JD. Like, it's um, uh, be a stunning shot against the crossbar from Portugal there. Um, bit of a roar for that. But, oh, you're way I ahead mean, of us. You're way ahead of us. Uh, oh, sorry. I hate to be winning that field. There is a shot coming from Portugal. Um, this, this, this is all even more suspicious, really. Um, but, yeah. The, I mean, I the, the, <laughs> the thing is with these... Um, it's really like yesterday being in the stadium for Argentina, uh, Holland, and the Croatia-Brazil shootout is happening, and naturally it was a lot of sort of Argentine people uh, cheering when uh, the penalties happened. So uh, I, I, I'd imagine every Moroccan journalist uh, is at the Morocco game today, and what you're more so going to have if this continues is a uh, giddy English and French people thinking about the possibility of uh, Morocco being on the other end of a semi-final draw. So I think that's uh, that's the atmosphere you might pick up around here if the situation continues. That, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, a lot of people will start to look at tonight as... Uh, uh, which I think it already is, to be fair. I think whoever wins this game, and I know we'll probably talk about it in more detail later, is probably favoured for the semi-final anyway, you could argue, no matter how good Portugal were previously. Um, but this now would really throw things up and... Uh, it, it would be a, a very, very historic moment. It's going to be compelling, JD, because. Um, but by the way, Portugal have upped it now. They've Portugal it. have completely upped it now. When when they played Spain, as 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 David says, it was like death by a, th- a thousand passes. And Spain knew, okay, we can get to um, extra time here. Portugal now absolutely ah. have to score, and they are going to up uh, the ante. They Otavio w- is acting the maggot here. He's just really annoying me now. Like, by the way. It's, it's, it's some strike off the bar. Who was that? It looked like Bruno Fernandes, was it? Was it uh, Morocco won Portugal nil. They're into. What a strike! That would have been one of the greatest World Cup goals. It was a bit like Van Basten in, in yeah, '88 outside uh, the box. But Morocco won Portugal nil. Come up to half time here as uh, Portugal attack again, and they're into the box. Is that a penalty? No, it's not. The Moroccan defenders uh, aren't having it. I'll tell you if it happens done. in a few seconds, John. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'll tell you if it goes to VAR. Yeah, I'll tell you if it goes to VAR first. Yeah, t- t- tell us but, just. Um, yeah, tell us the result. Um, <laughs> what was the result then? Need a bit of old. D- David Con- David Connolly, can you get your head around? I can't get my head because because obviously I was I was cheering lead, leading them for about six months. Uh, Brazil, how that how that happened yesterday? How is it just Croatia's just water never say die or what was it? Can you make sense of how Brazil lost that? Is that to me? Sorry. Yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't can't make sense of how because when you're up against a talented team like they are, you know, you've got to work like, okay, you've got to be a brilliant team. And look, Croatia are because, you know, they've they've been in this situation before. Um, They know what it takes. They've got top players, not only uh, technically, but, but certainly physically as well. Big team, powerful team. But I tell you what, they work so hard yesterday they worked so so hard they got a top keeper and you know if you're going to beat these teams you're going to have to rely on your goalkeeper your goalkeeper's got to make 11 save. saves he made Dominic yeah Livakovic. yeah with a with all parts of his body right with his feet yeah, yeah, with everything. his arm with his elbow um you know you name it and he had to make saves and sometimes you get frustrated with goalkeepers when they're screaming at their defenses i.e you know not protecting them that, that they've got to make saves against against top teams like like Brazil I think Vinicius had one in the first half a little give and go um, which was blocked in front of him by the defenders so it's a combination of 
your goalkeeper, your defenders blocking, your your teammates screening, marking, doubling up, you know, getting up to the ball, all the horrible stuff. And then have you got a little bit of quality at the other end or can you do something at, at the other end, you know, pose a bit of a goal threat. And, you know, certainly they, you know, they did all that and, you know, they're, they're to be feared, make no mistake, because they got, they've got a kind of blend of everything. Plus they've been there, done it. You know, they, they've got the know-how. It'll be a fascinating matchup against the, uh, against Argentina I think it'll be, it really will I'm not sure if David ever went in at half time in a game where he like this sense of collective um, rage just enveloped the team because this is Portugal at the moment they're going in absolutely raging that they that the VAR didn't even get the referee to look at Bruno um, Fernandes was, it was definitely a claim um, yeah. I, I find the re- I find the whole referee well last night's referee was crazy it's just utterly baffling at times so, some games are cards. the most blatant blatant yellow cards nothing some days there are three minutes of injury time then there are ten and it doesn't feel like there was much of a difference I, and as the tournament goes on it just gets more baffling but Fernandez is kind of slightly pulled back it was it was a somewhat marginal call but Portugal are absolutely livid going off the pitch because the ref wasn't called to have a look at it second half is going to be very very testy Morocco won Portugal nil um, would you bring Ronaldo on David Connolly <laughs> Um, I think he'll certainly come on, but um, yeah, just seeing that they're obviously surrounding the referee. Look, we'll see him at some point, you know, make no mistake. But as we say, look, they're hard to to score against Morocco. You know, they are hard to score against. Um, And this stadium, they've scored all their goals at the World Cup in this stadium. And it's what, 95% Moroccan fans? So it's almost like a home game. It's like their home pitch, in effect. You know, five goals they've scored this World Cup all in, the, in in this stadium. And, you know, the fans are kind of treating it like a home game. So, yeah, to, I, I understand, yeah, that, you know, Johnny, there might be a bit of uh, us against them, use that rage at half-time. But, um, you know, Morocco has shown that they're pretty hard to break down. Yusuf and Naziri with that goal, this could be something else. Morocco, Bidians, become the first Af- African team to ever reach the last four of a World Cup finals. And they're on track. They're halfway there at the moment. One nil lead. They're leading Portugal at halftime. How do you feel about Brazil and Croatia? Like Brazil, did they did it surprise you that they went out the way they did Dan yesterday? Or what was your take on the whole thing? Well, I mean, I was just thinking about uh, the, the the major tournament football, the momentum, and we are talking about the Croatian goalkeepers had an amazing tournament. But like it was nine days ago, they played. I think it was nine days ago uh, they played Belgium. Yeah. When like Lukaku misses. You know what, three, four, five, yeah, five chances. And I don't know, I I was at that game and there was a moment in the second half, I don't know if people remember it, where uh, Croatia were rocking a little bit and the keeper stayed on his line for a ball over the top. And uh, Gavardial was waiting for the keeper to come. He didn't come. And Gavardial ended up having to knock it behind for a corner. I think it was Lovren came racing across the pitch and was right in the keeper's face. And they were nearly going at it. There was a real sort of sense of like there's real tension in this camp here. They're rocking, um, but you can be different now and say, yeah, listen, they have that sort of mentality within the camp where they can row, they can argue, they can sort it out on the pitch. And look at it now, like he's now talked about rightly as like one of the keepers of the competition. Um, they could have been done in that game. Um, and as I said, I was at all four of Croatia's op- opening games. Uh, the, the, the opener against Morocco, which in hindsight was probably a better game than it seemed at the time in terms of the levels of the two sides where they've gone. Um, Canada, again, Canada were a little bit naive in some ways in how they played. Um, 
the Belgium game where they could have gone out and even against Japan where you would have said maybe they get a little bit tired in some areas of the pitch. And yet, when it comes down to it, it's very like 2018 when they, in the knockouts, they sort of, um, they, they, they rode their low early, but they just they just kept going. And uh, I, I mean, I, I still fancy Argentina, right? But it's very hard to, uh, to just sort of blindly dismiss the Croatians. Like, to be fair, I was thinking before the Brazil game that you could. Yeah. Um, the quality of their passing, like GD. Yeah, but Brazil, like, Brazil gave them the midfield. Like, they, they did to an extent. And, like, let's let's not overstate things. Croatia, I'm not one shot on target, which is deflected in, off Marquinhos, in, in the, and, and, like, and that's it. Nothing. But but in fairness, their ability, and it shouldn't be underestimated, the ability to keep the ball and control the narrative. Against Brazil, Brazil allowed them to do that. They as did. Well. They, they didn't. They had Neymar playing more advanced, and the two kind of whole midfielders came back. But it, they it, thought they could win it through wingers. That's a serious midfield. Like that yeah, is that's probably, probably possibly the best midfield. Yeah, competition. And, and Modric for me. I, I don't know I spoke about this last week I, I cannot he's so inspirational what he's doing and to do that in so late in extra time and it's not like he's totally changed his game he's still running around a lot and was the best player in the pitch really you know in my view and his, his ability to dictate at that age is inspirational and from an Irish perspective how can Croatia with a population of under 4 million do what we are miles away from doing and we, need, we really need to look at this because if Croatia can do it surely we can do it at some stage well, yeah. probably not we've we got to take a break here um <laughs> Uh, between four and five, we're going to look. <laughs> we'll, at have, we'll figure it out over the break. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have it all sorted by four o three. David Connolly, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward here in Football Saturday. You want to text us five three one zero six? How do you feel about England France tonight? Everybody's going to be watching it. How do you predict uh, it's going to go? Um, who, who do you think is going to win the World Cup now? I have no idea because, like, what I'm looking at the screen here, it's Morocco won Portugal nil at half time. Yusuf Naziri with the goal, a great header. Morocco, as we know, they're defensively minded, but Portugal have had a, a couple of chances. Bruno Fernandez uh, forcing. Was it a saver to come off the post, uh, Johnny? Come off the bar, didn't it? Which the the, the Fernandez effort, the the oh off the bar, off the bar, yeah, and uh, a claim for a penalty as well. So plenty to talk about four and five. Get your text in on football Saturday here in our off the ball World Cup edition. Back after this. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. You can comment on YouTube as well. Uh, you can tweet us out Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation as well. So you can listen on News Talk. Also, watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Joined in studio by Johnny War, the broadcaster and journalist from Qatar, on the line by Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent. Also on the line, the former Republic of Ireland striker. David Connolly, Morocco won, Portugal nil in the World Cup quarterfinal. The second half is just underway in Qatar. Youssef El Naziri of Sevilla, great header, great goal. Portugal have hit the bar. Ronaldo started on the bench, is still on the bench. So some comments coming in from the audience. Uh, Chris Bennett, Wolf of finishing from Brazil on the day. Should have been 6-1. Brazil didn't take their chances. Croatia had one shot on target. It was a deflection by a Brazilian defender. As Javier has been in touch, the problem with the Ireland team is not the lack of talent, but sometimes the passive attitude. There are no leaders apart from Coleman and Egan. Another texture, there's a simple reason why Ireland is not more competitive at soccer. Get at games. Think of all the elite sports people who are devoted to the club and county GA scene, but would have the skills and professionalism to make it on to top soccer teams. Is that a good point, Johnny? I think that's the main reason. I genuinely do. I think we've, uh, not to mention rugby as well, but yeah, from I come from rural Ireland. Um, soccer was definitely not first. It was third for some people. Yeah, they're also amazing at uh, you know facilities. Yeah, and un- absolutely underage um, community teams as well, having um, a lot better set systems, we'll say, for, than soccer would have. And yeah, I think that's, 
probably the main reason um, and I think um, maybe the, the, the changing of the, the DNA of our team is going to help but it's going to take time uh, Brazil yesterday David Connolly what's your thoughts? Um, yeah I, I kind of I think it's a mix of what kind of lots of people have, have been saying about them um, I thought with you know the other teams in a tournament I think I I, I put France down as, as you know being the, being the ones to be I kind of stick by that for the minute, although obviously that might change in a while. I mean, Brazil, um, you know, they did have chances. Whether you would say they were really clear-cut, um, did they open up Croatia enough? I don't I don't think they did. Um, I don't know. It, they, just, they just didn't quite do enough on the day, you know. And, um, yeah, I think Neymar, a lot of people would talk about Neymar rightly so. Uh, he did, he has well barring this season he's kind of been 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 injured this season he's going into this tournament pretty much fit in the best form he's been in for a long while but again he picked up an injury didn't he and you know they seem to perform better without him maybe a bit like a, a bit like a Portugal maybe and, and Ronaldo for until whatever today. reason yeah yeah um, until today but they brought him back in and Look, he scored a really, really good goal. And, and when you've got someone like him, he can do the unexpected that just other players can't. Um, but you would say, I don't know, I, I just didn't think they were, um, uh, it certainly didn't for me dominate or create enough um, as, you know, we were hoping they would. And I don't know, it could be the expectation that I don't think they, they you would say they started particularly well. You wouldn't say they blew Croatia away in any way. Um, and Croatia certainly had the, the legs that had the aggression um, and you know I thought they they did a you know obviously a bit of a job they needed a bit of help from the goalkeeper but they just fell up short again Brazil Pepe still remains one of the most like hateable footballers so at one end he in, is, in a football sense oh, in a football sense like in a I'd say he's actually probably a nice fella to have a coffee with or whatever but he's and he's again he's amazing what is he 38 he goes down in the box it's nowhere near a penalty like not even it's a joke for Portugal been doing that quite a like bit that. in this game Scored obviously against Switzerland, but then um, so the Moroccan right back, who's outstandingly fast, breaks, um, evades one tackle, and then Pepe just takes him out of it and says to the referee, "How can you give a free for that?" Um, so Morocco so won Portugal nil forty eight minutes. It's going to be interesting. In Qatar, uh, can Morocco hold on? We know they're good defensively. Portugal, oh. you, you know, they're going to have to raise it. They're going to have to get something out of this. Going to have to try and maybe bring on Rafael Leal, do something. Another oh. Nearly there from uh, Morocco. It was a good save from Diogo Costa in the end of the Portuguese goal. So, brilliant like delivery. once again from set pieces, a fantastic set piece. Um, brilliant into the box, and uh, yeah, nearly could have been two nil, but it's still one nil Morocco against Portugal. Um, England, France, Dan, you're at the game. You'll be at the seven o'clock kickoff tonight. Uh, with all these things, England, uh, they've scored twelve goals. Um, there seems to be a happy unit. Uh, Will they play to their strengths? Is there a general? I mean, have you been following them? Have you seen them? What's the vibe around England out there? Um, yeah, I, I, I've been two of their games. I was at the USA and the Wales games. Probably not, neither of them England at their best, other than that sort of that period against Wales where they did turn it on. Um, I've, I've actually probably seen more of France. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was reading stories earlier on about... Uh, concerns about the uh the victory the victory parades not being able to go ahead due to strikes in the uk and i was like <laughs> right have we reached have we reached that stage of the the hype machine here and um, because to be fair right it's 
it's not it's not quite like that. They don't have the same noise around them that they've had in previous tournaments in terms of well documented. You know, 2006, 2010, 2002, even you know the 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 golden generation and and there always seemed to be sort of mad stuff going on around the camp. Uh, I know there's maybe a little, one or two stories about maybe Ben White. Um, you know, having a few tensions with, with Steve Holland, but that's very fringe player stuff. Um, in terms of the general body of the group, it seems pretty, pretty serene. So, um, I, I think, I mean, we we saw, I think, with England and France, right? I think you can you can see what you want to see from both teams. Yeah. In the sense that, like, they've both had brilliant passages where you're thinking, yes, like this team is going to be very hard this this team can Ronaldo's on sorry to interrupt Dan Ronaldo's on oh but there you go but then you have other spells where um you know they, they they haven't been good and I think England have had more of them than France to be fair you know the opening half against Senegal in particular the opening half hour against Senegal uh the chat seems to be just the the people on the the reporters on the English beat are suggesting that it's going to be an unchanged team tonight there maybe had been half an idea that Southgate might revert to his back three for this game um, which was a, sort of his, his preferred system previously, but the sense seems to be that they're going to go with the the the, the sort of the three four three. Sorry, they're not they're not going to go with the three four three. So they're going with the back four and the three in midfield again, um, and that seems to be from the belief that they can uh, better France in that department. So um, in the midfield department, that is. So um, it's probably quite a positive team selection if that proves to be the case. But clearly leaves them potentially vulnerable to a to a France side that have a very very strong front four. David Connolly, what should England do? What should Gareth Southgate do in terms of troubling France later on? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, um, I had a we had a sort of uh, for the, you know, if you have a pro license, you have to have you have to do a certain amount of hours to keep your pro license. You know, with the English FA, so we had a Zoom uh, sort of. Um, CPD event this week and, and and it was on Gareth Southgate and his style of leadership, you know, and it, look, it was interesting. It's, it's stuff that I think everyone kind of knows uh, um, about his his style of management, how he leads. Um, and I think you can say whatever you want. And there's been a lot of stuff said about Gareth, into, Gareth Southgate in terms of could he manage a particular club in the Premier League, for example, you know, um, but he's made some big calls coming into this tournament and they've all kind of worked out so far you know he's changed shape as well changed formation he's stuck with Harry Maguire despite everyone you know more or less saying that he, there's no way Harry Maguire should be starting in this World Cup um, did he bow to a bit of pressure to play Phil Foden we don't know but it was the right call so you've you got to kind of say that he's you know bringing in Henderson freeing up Jude Bellingham to be a box-to-box midfielder, little bits and pieces that he's done, right? Sticking with Harry Kane, Kane gets his goal against Senegal. So he's shown loyalty, but I don't think it's, it's not blind loyalty, you know? And, and, and I think there are, I know some of the questions sent before were, you know, is this a likable England team? Well, you know, I, I think it kind of is. I think that those players, you know, look like pretty uh, likable, honest players that don't seem to have an ego maybe like uh, I know Dan was saying there about say the this golden generation that England have which you might say you know I don't know did we don't know this but this is what we heard right you might sit in different areas different parts of the 
of the you know dining room maybe you'd have the the top players in one part to perceived others in a different part i mean to me it looks like they have really really focused on on the culture uh around the national team and obviously a lot of the a lot of that comes back to say in a bigger grand scheme of things right you've got to talk about the premier league the saint george's park having a base for the english fa now and that they've had that for a long time don't get me wrong but good coaching courses ultimately you distill that all down this team has been given every every possible tool it needs to succeed you know from uh, the the support staff to you know the e triple p the academy system producing like technically outstanding players that are certainly on a par with other you know top countries i think previously like maybe holland would be ahead of them or you know germany or france i think in all honesty because i've done a lot of my coaching courses and the the top one with the english fa i can say that they're really good courses right so if you if you put on good courses you get good coaches those coaches go out they coach well in the uh, academy system that means those players are, are learning technical and tactical stuff um from from a young age at a higher level you bring that to the you know to the table you end up with a side that you know then does well at world cups reaches final fours or final eights maybe a final and you've got sort of a, a really good squad and if you've got someone at the helm of that who can just keep it you know bubbling along not not having uh, you know major disruptions not falling out with players um you know a calm way of leadership you know, treating them like grown-ups. If you if you want to go home, Raheem Sterling, go home. Like all those little things, you know, like Ancelotti's book about quiet leadership. I think Gareth Southgate's kind of similar like that. So say whatever you want about him. You know, he's got a talented group and they don't need to be managed in a harsh, abrasive manner. You know, they need, they need kind of just to be cajoled along. And I think he's done that pretty well, to be honest. Uh, Dan, you've said you've seen quite a bit of France. Uh, Mbappe, is he as electric and as brilliant as he appears on the television oh no he is he's he's sensational i'm just looking at roman size coming off here from morocco by the way um which is a big one for them i mean they've already lost aguirre from uh from west ham and they're really running on empty here um that's in that defensive department but um yeah i mean mbappe i mean this is the thing god imagine any sort of uh tired battered and bruised side facing Mbappe you know it, it really is like I think you would probably experience a bit of it in 2018 but that energy when he he builds up over sort of a 10-15 yard sprint the whole ground really rises but even even like in a stadium it doesn't have very many French fans you know but everyone knows that something is coming um not that he has the same adulation as um the stars of say Brazil and, and Argentina would have, you know, there's a lot of you know Neymar shirts and Messi shirts and and Ronaldo shirts and so on. Not maybe a huge amount of Mbappe and that sort of iconic status, but um, clearly in terms of his, the 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 way in which he's played. I mean, the Poland game in particular, it's the two late goals. I mean, for one of them, you could argue that Poland didn't do a huge amount wrong, and yet he still punished them postage stamp in the one place that he could um, and it's also uh, you see that other teams and players like opposition defenders uh, they, they sort of um, 
they modify their actions based on Mbappe a lot. You know, they're they're always anticipating something from him. Even to that Giroud opening goal against Poland, where it was clear that Poland were probably almost setting themselves up for Mbappe to sort of go on the outside or go on the run, and they they almost switched off to like a very simple through ball that he executed. And that's the thing. It's not just about Mbappe. It's the fact that he also can be a foil sometimes for Griezmann taking up good positions or, dead, you know, switching it to Dembele on the other side, uh, who can suddenly be one on one against someone with his pace. Uh, they 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 are a pretty potent uh, attacking formula. He's the star of it, but the others also complement them very well. Interesting stats in recent posts. Kyle Walker has done very very well in games against Mbappe at uh, club level, and right. uh, he's I think in the three games that they played against each other, Mbappe had 0.7 shots on target on average, and he's had loads of shots this tournament. So um, it's been built up. Walker himself has spoken about it. it's not all about Mbappe, but pace wise that it's not quite on a par. But Walker is extremely quick, and that is going to be fascinating. And then maybe it'll be the other side where you know it's not easy for Shaw either. Yeah, this is uh, Morocco won Portugal nil. Gonzalo Ramos has just missed a chance. Ronaldo is on now. Portugal trying to uh, attack and, and get the equaliser here. Sai says Dan was saying has gone off. Uh, it's getting tense in Qatar in this third quarter final out of the four Argentina and Croatia through. This is Football Saturday and off the ball on News Talk you're listening to across the country. This is the, so compelling, JD. David Connolly, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonnell. Uh, Portugal are obviously, they've half an hour to score, but um, they look like they're fairly, they're, they're going quite aggressive to score. Morocco are very, very quick on the break. Everybody, everybody in their own half now. And Ronaldo has come on and um, he hasn't done all that well since he's come on. And is this the end for Ronaldo in terms of his relevance as a Portugal player or is he going to be the hero if we've half an hour to find I'm out just, I'm, I'm just curious I'm just curious even to ask David there um, yeah. like the, 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 the atmosphere in these Morocco games right I mean I don't know if it comes across on the TV clearly I mean it's just this shrill whistling like all the way through the game it's an absolute din and it was there in the Spanish match and I'm I'm thinking, I don't know, David, can you think, I don't, I don't know, maybe coming away to Turkey or Iran or various places. I'm not sure if you're involved in all of those games with Ireland, but does it actually impact on your concentration as much as you're a focused pro dialed into the game? When you go to that intimidating arena where it's constant, it's relentless, and it's almost like at times like Portugal are rushing decisions here because they're almost a little bit panicked. They're obviously chasing the game anyway, but I sort of wonder... I don't know what springs to mind for you in terms of those type of environments, and does it affect your decision making in some way? Yeah, I mean, look, there's been we had the Iran one up. Yeah, I played in that one. I think they had a hundred thousand or so. That's what they said. Who knows? It felt like there was that many players, uh, fans there. The Turkey was was similar. Played in that one. So uh, obviously, but I think as an away team, it's a bit different, right? That was a two-legged affair, and and the second leg was in those stadiums. Um, I think as a player. You, you actually quite like going to the lines then, you know, and, and trying to get a result. And sometimes they've been the best performances I can look back on. But at other times you think those two-legged games were a bit different because those sides had a lead or they, they, they had an away goal to hold on Turkey to. Turkey had, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, like uh, Iran didn't, but we had the lead for it, made, made for a change for us. But... Like, you know, certainly if you're in Morocco, as I said, all the goals scored in this stadium, it feels like a home game. But I think, to be honest, as a player, you really enjoyed going to the sort of lines then. You know, I remember for final, we played Ajax 
and and Ajax put your away fans, you, they give about 100 tickets out and you're sat in the gods. You know, it's a bit like Newcastle Sunderland. But, you know, you go there, you win, and there's probably no better feeling. So, um, you know, it looks like Portugal have got it all to do here, but they're such top players that, it, that it's not going to phase them that they're in a, a stadium full of Moroccans, that's for sure. They need a bit of composure. They're lacking a little bit of composure at the moment, I feel. Portugal. It's helter-skelter, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it, it, they need to just calm it down and pass it a bit. They, um, because it's playing it in Morocco's hands. Yeah, and the Moroccans is full of belief. I, I, I definitely think the, 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 the fan situation is a major plus for Morocco as they're trying to hold on to create history here. And for Portugal, I, I do wonder, you know, what's the mentality between Fernandes and Ronaldo? I still wor- worry about this. And not a time to be worrying about that now. Yeah, and Ronaldo, obviously, he, he doesn't. he's not going to be a counter-attack and threat for for porch for porch, but it almost so. crosses into the box. Crosses into the box and yeah. hope he might. In fairness, his finishing is still so good that he, if he gets the chances that they got in the first half, maybe he'll score. But if they do score, Dan, don't tell us in advance because we're about four seconds behind. There's here. just been a good chance. Oh. There's Ooh. just been a good Ooh. chance. You're going to see Fernandez it now. Again. Bruno Fernandez, yeah, and he's absolutely livid. Um, this would be so seismic for African football, the Arab yeah. world, if if Morocco won this. You know, just for that chance. Can- Yeah, no, it's a hell of a strike from sort of the, you know thirty yards from goal. So um, as much as like Portugal, I think they like before half time we didn't really mention it. They nearly gave away a second goal after that penalty shout because uh, you know they just lost their discipline and they probably needed to compose themselves. And like I mean, I think Morocco are writing like, another double sub now. I think like the exertions are taking its toll on them, and they've been a little bit scattered themselves the last couple of minutes and. But, but Portugal are just in that zone where they're like they, they're frustrated they haven't scored by now, and then the clock starts to become your enemy a small bit, and um, you know there's a degree of panic. I mean, I suppose it's the opposite, right? Like you know, Spain had no urgency at all in terms of like you know uh, uh, addressing a situation like this. They would be patient until the last minute to a to to a fall to the point where it killed them. Whereas Portugal almost just need to, as you mentioned there, just like. They still have 25 minutes plus probably another another eight, you know. So um, it's not all lost, but their their body language is like a team that's increasingly feeling that way. Yeah, I think if they score, they'll be okay because they got another half an hour, don't they, uh, with extra time. Um, but it is it's it's a time for leadership from a Portuguese perspective. Um, yeah, Spain are like the Harlem Globetrotters that don't score any baskets. Um, David Connolly, so England, France, the tactical, what, what you're seeing, obviously, from the tactical uh, perspective, mm. uh, how, how, what, 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 are, what, are, what are the arguments for England? What are the arguments for France, as it were? Well, I mean, uh, look, you, you would say that um, I think this is, it should be on paper, right? A close affair, whether you, 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 you know, you talk about the, going through the, 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 the sort of key matchups or or who you know who's going to come up against two you know Kane and Giroud and, and things like that Walker and Mbappe Griezmann as the 10 you know Declan Rice will have to do a job on him um you know uh, I think Luke Shaw and Hernandez I think no one's created as many chances as, as those two have in this World Cup something like that Tushemeni I don't think anyone's carried the ball as much as he has you know brilliant ball carrier so um th- this is a I think a tough one to call because I think both sides have got obviously players in kind of the same sort of positions that can hurt you, you know, as we've just sort of touched on. Yeah, Foden could hurt France easily or or Saka, you know, like Harry Kane could just as much as Giroud. 
you know, can you stop the ball going to Mbappe? Can you try and force it out the other side? Difficult to do. But once it gets to Mbappe, what do you do? You know, is Henderson going to double up and help Carl Walker out? I know that you touched on the pace there. I think I think Carl Walker is the Premier League holder of the quickest player. Yeah, so he, he will certainly have the pace, but one thing you can't do is get out and close him down too quickly. You can't get out the line of the ball too early because then he might just run in behind and be put in behind. And, you know, Griezmann and players, like they've got so many talented players. So, look, I think it's a really, really tough one to call. Um, but, I, 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 you know, France is still favourites for me, but it wouldn't surprise me if England beat them. Like, you know, absolutely not. And certainly Jude Bellingham has shown... Thankfully, a box-to-box midfielder is back, right? You don't just have to be a sitting midfield player. You don't just have to be a, a kind of attacking midfield player. You can be a midfield player, you know, a bit like a, a Roy Keane of old or whatever, you know, a proper box-to-box midfielder who can do a bit of everything. And he's been uh, he's been outstanding. Yeah, John Summers in touch on YouTube. How much, could you ask David, how much he'd cost Jude Bellingham? Uh, I, I wouldn't like to know. But I would say I saw him make his debut um, in I think it was the EFL Trophy at right. Portsmouth, right? As a as a you know whatever he was uh, a few years ago, sixteen year old. Um, you know there was one man and his dog there because it was this you know trophy that's not looked upon very favourably. Um, and <clears throat> you know like he's obviously left there. They retired his shirt, which at the time everyone was like, how can you retire someone's shirt? He's barely played you know sort of fifty games. Um, but boy, has he has he uh, as he shown his worth? You know, got a header, hasn't he? Got a goal of his head, assisted. I mean, what would he be worth? I I, I dread to think. You know, you're, you're talking sort of, I don't know, three figures probably. What hundred million plus? I I I have no idea. But I love I love that there's a box to box midfielder, an old style who can do a little bit of everything. Right, he's got ability with the ball at his feet. He can work in tight areas. He can run like a Steven Gerrard, you know, but then he can, you know, he can score like a <clears throat> whoever, a Lampard. He can he can tackle. He can like a Keane. He's got a little bit of everything, you know, so uh, he's a bit of a throwback. And, and that's great because, you know, the game moves forward, right? And they always say the game moves and, you know, sort of are some positions dying out and you have to be a holding midfield player. You know, it's great that, that there's someone come along who's kind of a little bit old school. He can... Just be a, uh, you know, you can go from one box to the other. Morocco won Portugal nil. Substitutions for Portugal. Gonzalo Ramos, the hat trick hero against the Swiss, is off for Rafael Leao of AC Milan, and Otavio is off for Vitinha. Johnny, are we making any progress towards a Portugal equaliser here? Well, Morocco have now put pretty much everyone in their own half, and um, but they they look perfectly happy. The body language of Portugal is a little bit worrying. What they do have is time. They still have twenty five minutes, and um, but it's very helter skelter. Fernandez cutting a frustrating figure. They're trying to pass the ball through. And uh, yeah, you would be getting worried if you're if you're from a Portuguese Portuguese perspective here. We could be on the cusp of history, but there is going to be some drama. I definitely think Morocco are going to get a chance or two as well. As Portugal are very very um, they've gone advanced in terms of where their high line is, and Morocco have a bit of pace. This is this is all about Ronaldo for me, JD. He's going to look like he's completely finished, or he's going to get a, an unbelievable goal or you blame him though really in this no situation. no not at all it's just um, this is his time to really show that he's still, he still he can still do something and maybe he will 
Rafael Leao there making an immediate impact uh, getting to the byline which is what, free, what, I think what, is what Portugal need to do um, if, if, they get, if Ronaldo gets a chance you fancy he'll put it away and I, I think this tournament just has had so much drama but from a neutral's perspective uh, you've got to be willing Morocco to do this and with that crowd behind them what a semi-final it will be Danny, I'm sure you've been to many games. What, what else have you picked out from the tournaments uh, as a whole? I mean, even the failures, the Belgians, the Spains, the Germanys. Are there things you've seen over there from games that, that might enlighten us? Yeah, I mean, um, there was a certain uh, quality to, like, I think, some of the African sides. Like, you know, and, and I suppose it's fitting. We're watching, like, Morocco now. You know, like, Senegal even were a little bit unlucky with the, the sort of injuries they had. You know the unavailability they had even for the England game. You know I watched the I was at the Cameroon Serbia game. It was very entertaining. Actually, I think like some of the sort of European sides that you fancy to do half decent were uh, were a little bit underwhelming. You know like Wales were very poor, Serbia very poor, even Switzerland then go and get hammered like six one by uh, by Portugal. Um, I, I like yeah I've seen a lot. Yeah you know, the, the 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 Belgium meltdown like was very much end of an era vibe around it even though like Lukaku could have changed it with the goals um, I saw Spain against Japan and they were sort of underwhelming like very underwhelming as lo- almost what you talked about there you know sort of hard on club drivers that don't, want to, don't want to score baskets it wasn't even particularly entertaining but no I, I, like, I mean I see the thing about the tournament is what you're looking at now I mean like Brazil like scored what they scored they hammered South Korea Portugal hammered Switzerland and yet those two teams have both been pretty much caught cold in their next encounter so once you think like you've reached some kind of conclusion or some team has built up a little bit of momentum it sort of swings uh, swings the other direction uh, it's funny David make, mentions that point earlier about um, the crosses and the volume yeah. of crosses and I think that that's something that's featured in one of the technical presentations um, or tactical discussions is like the amount of goals uh, crosses where the, the the last person coming into the area has scored the goal. You know that's actually been a very common thing where like you know the ball to the switch to the other side of the box. It's always the last player coming in, um, and it's very much about the the tactical ability of the crosser and the the awareness of the crosser to sort of see those situations. Um, and it's just been noticeable. There's been a there's a presentation given on a sort of a small number of goals that were all almost very identical in that regard. So clearly, there's these little trends that the, the coaches will see, and and that's definitely one about uh, the timing of the run into the area. And we've obviously seen some fullbacks get forward and get into some very very good positions. I suppose the Dutch were a classic example of that um, until they until they obviously. Uh, they went a different route last night and it was slightly more direct last night but their their goals against the USA were a classic case of that uh, we've got to take a break here on Football Saturday Morocco won Portugal nil 72 minutes on the watch uh, the World Cup uh, has many casualties Louis van Gaal has uh, uh, you know played uh, you know, well his, his last role as a, as a Dutch manager he's um, he's quit as Dutch manager and Chi has quit as Brazil manager will Fernando Santos be quitting as Portugal manager will Ronaldo be quitting as a Portuguese player in the next uh, half an hour because Morocco could have a shock result of this World Cup yet again bidding to become the first ever African nation to reach the last four of the greatest show on earth we're back after this 
And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always through to five. This is Football Saturday. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball, listen across the country on News Talk, watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, the OTB Sports app. Morocco won Portugal nil. 10 minutes, 18 seconds and injury time for Portugal to get this out of the fire and salvage uh, a draw and get this to extra time because at the moment Morocco are on the verge of making history to become the first ever African team to reach the last four of a World Cup with Turkey and South Korea. Shock World Cup semi-finalists 20 years ago. Morocco, never been here before, never been to this stage and the Atlas Lions are ahead. Uh, Youssef El-Naziri with the goal in the first half. Ronaldo is on the pitch. Johnny Ward, this is dramatic. Yeah, Morocco bidding to get the World Cup in, in 2030 and uh, a World Cup in North Africa will be amazing and the colour and noise they brought to the tournament and their defensive qualities, JD, I think you can't understate. Um, you know, they've conceded one goal in eight, nearly nine games, I think, now and they've been utterly excellent. Uh, Portugal have actually gone out of ideas as the second half's developed. Morocco making a couple of subs and when you... You reference all the problems that they've had defensively in terms of injuries as well. So he's going off in the second half here. Um, looks like their talisman Ziyech is going to go off now as well. Um, they're really, really together. And this could be one of the great, the great World Cup moments, I think, if you are a neutral. Um, you know, this is a relatively local World Cup for the Moroccans. They've got a lot of local support. And Portugal are running out of ideas. I think there will be a lot of injury time is the only thing. Dan McDonald, this is the romantic story of the competition, messy aside. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I mean, you could possibly argue it's it's more romantic than Messi in, in, in some ways, you know. Um, like, uh, I was down in the, the fan park the other day when they uh, they beat Spain and there was that sense of, you know, the Arab world coming together. Like said, like you, you asked earlier about the experience of being here and yeah. a lot of the stuff here is sort of manufactured and, and not really... It doesn't feel particularly authentic, but the atmosphere around the Morocco games most certainly is. And, um, you know, from a sort of a low enough expectation base in the tournament to suddenly get here, like it's building as we go on. Like there is quite a lot of Moroccans living here as well. So for them, it's like particularly special. So uh, there's just been a big save here. You might have heard of the roar in the yeah, background. We're, we're, you haven't even seen it yet. Seconds we're just seeing it now. Bono there yeah. has made it. The hand of glove. Or in the name oh of Glove, God. you know. <laughs> Finally, a shot on target from Portugal. They haven't. That's terrible, JD. I'm just going to continue like you didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. But um, they haven't had too many shots on target, Portugal. Like that's been the thing. They they don't have a big hard luck story at the moment, so they need more chances like that to to build one up. Because um, they they can't really complain about the position at this stage. Joe Felix, it seems it was who uh, had that shot. Um, we're going to keep an eye on this and anything that happens, and Dan will know it before we do. But uh, we'll keep you right up to date on this uh, Morocco Portugal game. Actually, Keeper made a mistake there, but Morocco got away with it. David Connolly, what are you expecting to happen, England France then at seven? How do you see it going, well, and why? I suppose why as well. I tell t- you one thing, just on the Morocco. Yeah. I mean, can you can you imagine <clears throat> if they end up playing France? Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, that would just be the history that those two countries have. Yeah, I mean, wow that that would be uh, that would be some game, you know. And I don't know if you've noticed on the, on the, you know, on the the TV, the abbreviation is MAR for for Morocco. Maroc. Yeah. For Maroc and for the French, you know, for the French spelling of it. So I tell you what, that would be. It, it, I mean, that would be some game in the World Cup. Can you imagine those two in the semi final? What are we going to see then this evening? What, what are you expecting then, David? Well, England-France. So, so, so England-France, I mean, um, look, I, I, I imagine, if, if I look at Deschamps, right, an unbelievable player, 
a brilliant manager. Um, you know, I would say he he would have the upper hand. And we, we've talked about Gareth Southgate, but I think if I was looking at him as a manager, you know, in this World Cup, I look at you know, I like looking at the managers as well and seeing what what they can do. They obviously changed things up against Tunisia, right? And they were they were pretty poor. Which also comes back to you know, say we spoke about Ireland earlier. I wonder what Stephen Kenny would be taking out of this World Cup in terms of goals scored. If you got to a tournament, you know, could you could you progress in a tournament um, playing a particular way? Do you have to get to a tournament to play one way, but then play a different way in the tournament? You know, um, there's been some direct goals scored in this tournament, which you know, I, I think the challenge for for like Ireland would be actually getting to the tournament, and and I think it will get easier. So when you get there, I know we said earlier, like we're a long way behind, but I think once you in, once you actually get there, I think it's different. You know, it is different tournament football in a short period of time. But anyway, I digress. I think hopefully it's going to be a great game tonight. That's that's what I hope um, with the matchups that we've got all over the pitch. But um, you know, uh, tough one to call to be honest. Dan McDonald, what do you expect in England France later on? Yeah, I, I probably was thinking France, but I mean, it's, certainly as it gets a bit closer, I can I can see the English angle big time. Particularly if they are going with that team, like they definitely yeah. can probably with Foden and and Saka. You know, they can cause some problems for France. Like I just think Griezmann's a big player in the game, um, particularly like because I mean, they're, they're, some of the commentary in England, it's very much talking about you know Royce Bellingham and Henderson and Rabiot and Shoemeni, but almost like it's a three v two. But I mean, Griezmann's movement in there can can he just sort of disrupt Rice, you know, or is it Mbappe's movements? I know David mentioned, you know, Henderson. Does he double up um, in terms of Mbappe? Um, there's 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 so much like there's so much advertise this game. Um, I I I, <laughs> I really just think if Morocco go through here, like the English euphoria around the place is is definitely going to lift up a notch in that sense of this is. This is their time coming, but um, I, I, I'm still leaning towards a France win because of the individual brilliance they have. And ultimately, you saw against Senegal that uh, Stones and Maguire can be really troubled, you know, and if France are really purring, they can trouble them. But I think this one could go all the way. I'm not going to lie, but a uh, marginal preference for France, but not as strong as I was feeling earlier in the week, I have to say. It's the first time they've, they're facing a proper, proper striking unit as well. In what, France? England. Um, <laughs> yeah. France as well. France as well, like, and you would, I, I'm not sure about France defensively as well. It's going to, I think, I think we'll see um, the England defence under a lot more pressure tonight. Uh, I think Giroud's going to have a big game as well. I think my thought process is evolving a lot more towards the fact that I don't think the South American teams are as good as they are or they were. And uh, we're all raising the diet of Brazil and Argentina and the beautiful football they can play at times and the individual skill. But Europe has dominated this World Cup now. And Morocco. For, for, but can Morocco win it? They, they, they can certainly. Um, at the, this is, the longer this goes on, Portugal, they're just not really creating I chances. In terms of winning the tournament. Um, and, and like, my, my, if, if Morocco were to, were to face England or France with that partisan crowd, you certainly wouldn't rule it out. Well, and t- take every game at a time. But in terms yeah. of tonight, I, I'd be with Dan. I, I'm... Not not overly confident, but I think France will have too much quality for England. Yeah, I, I actually think England are going to do it. Um, do you want them to? Yeah, why not? Mm. Uh, 800 years of oppression? Well, you know, I wasn't around for that. <laughs> um, 
He weren't around for any of it, actually. No, actually, not any of it. Yeah, uh, we were. We we were brought up sort of to not want England to win, you know, and that that's fair enough. But as time goes on, you know, like, I mean, I want Messi to win. Uh, I want Declan Rice to win. Um, I don't really care about Declan Rice. Um, I think that England have to believe because mm. uh, against Italy they were too conservative. They went back into their shell against Croatia four years ago. They didn't have the midfield they have now, and that is Rice, and, back a lot. Rice and, and Bellingham. Um, but I think they do believe a bit more now. They have, like, like you, the point I'm making about South American football is that um, the Premier League is where it's at. It's where the, the, the it's a global league, and I know Messi doesn't play there, and I know other players don't play there, but most of the world's top players play there. Haaland, Salah. Messi and Bappi Neymar. Um, yeah, well, they're all, we know why they're in PSG, mm. um, because of the money. So, you know, you've you, you got to think that England, uh, with Harry Kane, Foden and Saka, are really world-class players and I think that is something that France have not been tested against in this World Cup that's why I think England have a right chance this evening I, yeah. I think England need to play to their strengths Conversely, I think uh, like the, the French the French attack and with with a very good functional midfield Rabiot playing well with just the, the England's inability to really press too far forward with the pace that Dembele and Mbappe have and I think Giroud as well Giroud is going to give them plenty to think about um, France marginally for me France marginally. I'm calling everything wrong this week though JD well I call Brazil for about six months out yeah, so I, I, I still can't get over that, that goes in the dustbin with the Manchester City Champions League stuff um, but Harry Kane David Connolly you're oh. a striker like to me he's he's got he's a complete player he's a 9 he's a 10 yeah. at times he gets yeah. injured but yeah I mean he's class I mean the amount of times I've spoken about him <clears throat> you know being able to do he, he's certainly more involved than Giroud right I, I mean I love Giroud I think Giroud uh, was a was a brilliant signing for Chelsea, for example. I think they brought him in in a free in the the winter transfer window in January or whatever. I mean, he's a phenomenal finisher. Right? If you serve him, he will score goals. Uh, you would say Mbappe and Dembele are not particularly servers, right? They're attacking wingers who will go for goal themselves. So I think Giroud does pretty well to get the goals that he does. To be honest, with those two on the outside, I mean, Kunde is not a fullback. So Kunde is a centre-half playing right-back. You know, Wilf Foden, if he's up against him. Interestingly, you know, will England play with natural width? You know, France don't. They, they obviously play with opposite foot wingers coming in. That's why they get their goals. They're not really on the outside. So it's up to Hernandez to get on the outside of Mbappe. But, you know, will Foden play off the left? I mean, it's a kind of... Uh, uh, a sort of a Guardiola way to play with natural sort of natural width on that side on on in the, in the wide area. I love playing with natural uh, width. I don't know, maybe it's from my time in Holland, but I, I like natural-footed wingers that are, are going on the outside. Like his goal, Foden's goal, would he have scored it? I think when Kane set him up, when he crossed in, uh, I forget the goal. I don't know if it was Iran. I can't remember. But you know, Foden at, uh, at the back post using his natural foot because he's coming in off the left. This I is mean, a goal. That, Sorry, David. That this is a goal that Ronaldo scores. JD. If uh, I don't know if you've seen it, David. It's, I think it's a goal he scores definitely in his prime, the first minute of the eight of injury time, and he's missed. I haven't seen it, but my, I'm, I'm, yeah, my Wi-Fi is notoriously bad, lads. I'm, I'm sure I'm a few minutes behind you, but you get what you pay for. Um, I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm quite. I haven't quite seen it, but um, yeah. So I think, look, it'd be nice to see Foden playing off that left side. And, and Southgate has tweaked that, right? Because Foden didn't start on the left. So little bits and pieces along the way, you know, they'll, they'll, maybe Foden up against Kunde could be a bit of a problem for France. 
We're into the first of eight minutes of stoppage time here. Morocco won Portugal nil in the World Cup quarterfinal. Yusuf El Naziri's goal in the first half and Portugal are continuing to attack and Morocco have got everybody behind the ball here, Johnny. They have everyone behind the ball, but at the same time, as I was kind of alluding to, they they do offer a threat on the break. They're 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 very quick, and Portugal just totally um, overplayed the pass. They're out of place. So now we're edging into the third minute of the ace. Um, Shadiri, I think, is on a yellow there, and Morocco. They, their energy levels, defensive. I was just asking you about the coach. I don't know much about him, JD. But this is an incredibly well coached team to have conceded one goal in what's nearly five World Cup games against the caliber of the opposition they've played, and they have that you know that bit of quality as well. That uh, they can cause some problems on the break, and Portugal have this is probably probably watching the last six minutes of Ronaldo as a Portuguese player here. I think, yeah, it's uh, dramatic there. Dan McDonald, has something happened there? It's a second yellow for Chadra from Morocco, so uh, they're down to ten for the last that uh, Chadira sent off. Yeah, he just got booked, as Johnny said, and he's just got done for a, a, a foul. I'm not sure who it's on. Second yellow, so uh, you've probably seen it by now, but. Uh, they're down to it's on Felix I think so they're, they're down to uh, down to 10 for 6 minutes or so we're going to uh, stay on the air just mm. until the ge- end of the game with the stream here so we're going to go off air on FM shortly but we'll stay on uh, for the digital and, and social uh, viewers on uh, YouTube Facebook and uh, on the app um, tomorrow on the show 1-7 to seven, just to let you know folks Joe's here are going to reflect on England France Martin Lipton Philippe Clare, Keith Wood is at Thomond Park for Munster against Toulouse John Green and Brendan O'Brien for the Sunday Papers Cleena Foley reviewing the year in athletics Jonathan Wilson the football writer will be uh, talking about his book as well on the Charlton Brothers so remember Leinster won earlier today in the Champions Cup 42 points to 10 against Rassi 92 um, yeah it, we're now into 3 minutes of 8 uh, stoppage time so, like it's uh, David Connolly, you're going for France, then, isn't it? You're, that's your verdict. Well, I kind of tipped them at the start, which like you can't no, go against no great, yourself. Can it, you? Yeah, can't. It's no great shapes that that you know uh, they were they were one of the favourites then. But yeah, I'd, I'd be. Although, look, it would not surprise me if if England beat them. You know, it it wouldn't. And uh, if it goes all the way into penalties, then you just don't know. You know, it, it, all these little things. That, I mean, we haven't discussed, say, Luis Enrique. You know, obviously. I, I was on the wrong side, and I still think about it now. Missing that penalty at World Cup. You got out, did you get over it soon, no, or it's, is it? It's no, it's it's hard to. And right. even watching these lads stepping Marquinhos, up, Marquinhos, poor Marquinhos. I just felt so sorry yeah. for him yesterday. Well, I mean, but Luis Enrique discussing about taking a thousand penalties. You know, mm. it's it's really in, it's you know it's a part of the game which it, it looks like it's obviously here to stay. And people have spoken about well, is there anything else? other than penalties to decide games when it comes to this, uh, you know, what, what else is there? But, I mean, practice a thousand times and you still come out the wrong. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Okay, we're going to stay on the streams, as I said, uh, on YouTube, Facebook and on the app and on Twitter uh, with David, uh, Dan and Johnny just until the end of this game. Morocco won Portugal and it looks like it's there for Morocco. Uh, four and a half minutes into eight of stoppage time. They're set to become the first ever African team to reach the last four of a World Cup. What a story for Morocco and for global sport this is. It's just a very romantic story that they're about to do it. It looks like it, uh, but Bono about to take the uh, the goal kick here. So Morocco won Portugal. Now, thanks very much for listening on your radio today here on News Talk across the country on FM. We'll speak to you on the radio at one o'clock tomorrow and we'll stay on the streams here. So uh, bye-bye for now on the FM. 
I think that could be Pepe and Ronaldo's last moments. It's really. Morocco 1, Portugal nil. 7 minutes, 19 seconds here of the 8. And it's, history is about to be made here at the World Cup in the quarterfinals. Already had Croatia beat Brazil on penalties. We've had Argentina beat the Netherlands on penalties. Are Morocco going to be the third team into the last four as, as they attack here through Portugal, due through Rafael Leao? And the ball is cleared and uh, we're only like 20 seconds away and the Moroccan nation and the fans and everybody in the sideline, there's 37 million people in Morocco and, and, and many more as well in the diaspora. You know, the celebrations that are going to be there across the country are, are going to be wild. Uh, they're already wild in the stadium. It looks like it's there. And Dan McDonald, it is there. Morocco are through. It's the beat there. 1-0. Wow. Oh, my. Yeah, it's, it's happened. Um, how many times? Like, you think of Ghana and... 2010, you think of Cameroon in 1990, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunities that were there, and now it has happened. I'm just looking at Cristiano Ronaldo, a few tears in his eyes, walking off the pitch, but, I mean, as I said, like, not, not many spontaneous things happen here in Qatar, but I think the other night after Morocco beat Spain, you know, a lot of cars going along, beeping down the motorway, um flags out the windows and so on and I think no matter what happens in the England-France game later on um, as much as this town can belong to anyone um, it will belong to Morocco tonight Amazing, so they started the tournament they drew 0-0 with Croatia they beat Belgium 2-0 uh, they beat Canada and the, the only goal they conceded 2-1 win was a, an own goal and uh, then they beat Spain on penalties as Dan said and then uh, Yusuf N Yiri from Sevilla got the headed goal in the first half and Morocco are through as Ronaldo as you say he's walking down the tunnel there absolutely distraught a bit like Neymar yesterday crying his eyes out and that'll be it that'll be the end of the involvement for Ronaldo at the World Cup it's uh, it's amazing what's happened here this afternoon I don't think anybody could have expected Morocco to win apart from themselves their fans their uh, their coaching team and their coach only took over in the end of August I uh, played for but Morocco I think yeah go on yeah, I, I just think the squad effort as yeah. well. I think that's mm. that's got to be something that they take like a huge amount from as a group. That it's such a team success because I mean, uh, you know, the Masrawi as well. Like you know, he's had issues at Guard. Um, like the another starter for the previous game. Then you have like Sois going off injured. So you're basically like finishing this game with your your two sort of second choice centre halves. But I think that's probably the tribute to the coach. And as Johnny has alluded to there. Like the discipline that they have, that sort of like pieces of a jigsaw, whoever comes on still seems to fit, you know, and they still seem to slot into a role. And I mean, I, I still have that slight fear that, um, you know, it's just going to be so emotionally draining for them when it comes to the semi final. But I don't know, you're just going to keep writing them off. You think, yeah, they're, they're, they have this atmosphere. Um, they are going to have to move grounds uh, for the semi-final. They're going to be up here in, in Albate, where I am at the moment. That's where the semi-final is. It's uh, the, the furthest flung destination. That's where they played Croatia in the opening game. Um, but, you know, come and beat them. You know what they're going to do. See, are you good enough to do it? I mean, they've taken down Spain and Portugal. So, uh, that's extraordinary. And, and as sort of David alluded to as well, I mean, the Moroccan population around Europe, I mean, Spain was huge for them as well in that respect. There was real feeling to that one. Um, and if it was France, uh, that would be some night to be in Paris, never mind some night to be in um, to be in Doha. Yeah, Ronald Regraoui is the coach and he's just uh, embracing his players there. Um, what a story. The joy of sport, Johnny. The joy of sports. Ah, Unpredictability, fantastic. just having another day in the sun and many days it's had. You know, they're having 
1990 moment here where big time um, you know and uh, I, I still you know I was what seven years of age but I mean that just absolutely stopped a nation that gripped a nation and it, it created this kind of um, insatiable appetite I think for football going forward and maybe we didn't capitalise on it as much as we can but Morocco is a country as you mentioned 39 million people football mad country JD um, and I, I do refer to that piece Gavin Comiskey wrote about watching these players on the beach and he was marvelling at their technical ability and maybe he was romanticising a bit but they, they, there's, there is a beauty to North Africa and the passion that they have for football and to see an African team it's a it's a nation it's a sorry a continent that has been you know treated so badly by the European imperial powers going down down the years and it has a lot of wrongs that it needs to right and to, to do this in the football pitch let's just say I would love it if they beat France or England yeah Kevin Keegan style um, yeah the, the manager there getting the bumps uh, from his players like you know great for African football but also great for the Arab world as well and uh you know, it just says a lot, doesn't it, Dan, for the basics of organisation, discipline, squad unity, you know, all the things that you can maybe just take for granted, but have got Morocco further in the tournament than Brazil, Germany, Spain, and now Portugal. Yeah, well, it's important than anything, right? Like we, we talk about the World Cup as the, and it's the ultimate arbiter, say, of, you know, the, the best of the best or whatever it might be, but it's also knockout football. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, 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 when you talk about Greece in 2004, maybe as a, as an example, maybe not seen as a flattering one, but it can be an inspiring one as well, too. You know, and like this is it. It's like you get into this situation. It's like right, we have 90 minutes. Uh, what can you do? Can can you break us down? And um, you, a lot talked about probably the the smaller build up to this competition. You know, teams maybe have six days together, eight days together, um, short window. So every coach has to use that to the best of their ability to create something. Um, and I suppose Morocco just had a had a very firm belief in what they were doing and powered again by something extraordinary, something that you can't necessarily quantify, the backing of the fans and, and this atmosphere that's building. But um, they, they, rather than sort of uh, being, I don't know, cowed by it, it's, it's just lifted them up on their shoulders. You yeah. know, and like other teams, like, like Brazil yesterday, right? I mean, the, the mad thing about Brazil... Like for a team that we'd spoken about being reasonably conservative and being quite cautious in some ways, and I'd certainly written that, um, they got done on the counter. <laughs> yeah. They got done on a counter attack 1 0 up, which was actually incredibly ill disciplined. Um, and Morocco here, when it came to the crunch moments, they kept their discipline. I mean, Portugal were poor, right? Some of their, they couldn't beat the first man with some of the crosses uh, lay on. And I just definitely think they completely. Uh, got caught up in the the occasion and it, and it beat them, um, but Morocco did everything right. You know, ten out of ten for them on on how they basically their application of all of all the basics, and that's what's taken them this far. Three out of forty five games they've lost. Morocco and, and same similar to Argentina. It's similar, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you know. Um, It'll be tricky for whoever plays. I mean, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know. And it'd be yeah, I just have no idea what's going to happen. Nobody knows anything. Uh, like Brazil, no. let's be honest. Brazil in in the games that mattered in the tournament, they barely cr- cr- conceded a single chance, not to mind goals. And yet somehow they 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 flunked it away. And I, I I'm like you, JD. I I know nothing anymore. Absolutely uh, nothing. Uh, Ronaldo, that's it now as well. The 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 the, the party's over for him. Sense of crocodile tears as well about. Him. I mean, he hasn't had a great World Cup. I mean, when you see um, Vekhorst, who's had an amazing Amazing, amazing cameo crying at the end. You'll say something. Ronaldo, I mean, get over yourself at this stage. You, like, you came on at half time, you didn't do a lot. Dan, yeah, it's it for Ronaldo. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about. Uh, I, I think to describe them as crocodile tears is nonsense, uh, though. Uh, to be fair, it's uh, actually rubbish. Not having like, them. It's not like, having you, them. You know, like no. Why is he like, I mean, I think. Uh, why is he? Well, he's probably crying, crying because well, he knows it's the end. See. He knows let it's see, the Johnny. end. But like Johnny, he's... Johnny, Johnny, I have no sympathy for Ronaldo and all of his stuff recently, right? Like Pierce Morgan, Man United stuff, like like detestable, right? I have no sympathy for him, but no sports person, no matter how detestable they are, I don't think is immune from the. The sort of uh, the the difficulties that can come with the end and facing the end, and there's something about you are the ultimate athlete at the peak of your powers. It's just the use of the word crocodile tears. I just don't think that's right. Um, to be honest, now, like you know, is he is he crying for Portugal or crying, crying for, for him? Ronaldo. He's crying yeah. for Ronaldo. Yeah, but but still, like I mean, but you don't know. I don't think there's anything. Inst- I think he is. Not, I don't think you can say there's any inst- anything insincere about it. I uh, don't I think know. The genuine emotions. Mm. I think the the bigger the star. Like sometimes the harder to fall yeah, when it comes well, no, to an I, end, I, I, and that's yeah, and that's yeah. why it's harder for them when they I, I, when they lose their power, you know. And I have no sympathy for them on the United stuff, by the way, zero. Just want to clarify that. But on this, I just think that's I, I wouldn't be a fan of that dig. No, no, I think they are genuine emotions. I think they're genuine emotions because this is the end of maybe a, six months, a year, two years of absolute internal turmoil over the he fact that he has it He has it personally. I know that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't see any other Portuguese player crying. And for just for Ronaldo, if I were in that it's perspective... Neymar because they weren't Neymar. on camera. Johnny, they weren't on camera. Are you telling me... There's, there's <laughs> like, that's, what are you talking they about? They spanned across the whole pitch, basically, and it was only Ronaldo was going Ronaldo down the tunnel. And, down and, down and the Neymar, in fairness, so, Neymar did as well, and there's a, there is a bit of a link there. You know, but um, the, you are the producer's dream if you think that the only player crying is the person they have the camera in their face If I find any other Portuguese player who cried I'll send it on to you but uh, I don't know he didn't play that much of a role in the tournament that's like it's not like oh I no, but no, but it's not about that it's about mm. the fact that it's one of the greatest players the of end. all time and it's now come to an end with it's come with to an end I mean he's been you at take the your end position and now. you defend us yeah. Well, no. I mean, he's been he's been at the end for months. Ago. It's a pity he didn't realize no, but no, but that. It's, no, but it's it's. It, I think what Dan has pointed out, it's very very difficult for somebody to accept that at times. Mm. And this, oh, is, totally. this is the end of, uh, and he knows it's the end. And he, and he's been probably you know raging against the machine in his yeah, own mind about, about the end coming. And he's done things like the interview that he shouldn't have done. But sometimes it's hard to just accept that. And now he's been like you know given the acceptance by the fact that his team have lost one 0 to Morocco in the World Cup. I'd more sympathy for Sean Quinn crying at the end of his documentary than Ronaldo. Well, and that that that's a that's a bizarre thing. Yeah, to say that is a very sense. bizarre thing. But to I say. actually think I think he was almost more genuine. Ronaldo's yeah, like yeah, you're, it's yeah. been over for a while. You know, you, you just don't, you know I, I think he is genuine. I, 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 I think I, it's I, genuine, but it's I kind of I don't, about, the, I, I don't think it's fair to say that it is. Johnny, your point does not make any sense here. It's about honest, Ronaldo though. more you know, than Portugal, and that's the thing that I would have more of an issue. Like it's all about Ronaldo. It's always about Ronaldo, as was the Pierce Morgan interview. Dan, on that note, enjoy England France this evening, and uh, given what's happened over the last. Well, just over 24 hours. I've no idea what's going to happen, but let's hope it's as entertaining as the last three games have been. Yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, what can you? What can we even expect to happen? Who knows? But um, yeah, is it coming home? Is it coming home with a semi-final against Morocco? Um, oh God, let's see what happens. <laughs> Mind yourself. Speak next week. Thanks, Dan. In England, Argentina final. It's it's all, it's all gonna it's all gonna happen. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll chat uh, on the FM at one o'clock tomorrow. We'll speak then. Off the ball. Second biggest cheer was Ronaldo warmed up. The biggest cheer was when Ronaldo came on the pitch. There is still this fixation of Ronaldo is coming onto the pitch and he buys into Subscribe that. now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.